Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up? Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Hello, welcome to episode 27 of the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, construction adjudicator, lawyer and director of Tricks of Your Trade. Now recently I've been doing a truckload of contract reviews and I've been having some really interesting conversations with trade contractors and business owners about why they don't want to read their own contracts. If there was one task that I think every director of a trade business could outsource, it would be contract reviews and negotiating contracts with their builders. And you can do it, it's possible to do it, uh, to outsource it or to give it to somebody who's an admin person in your business if you've got a checklist and a systematic approach to doing it. But I would caution the directors of uh, trade businesses listening to this podcast from entirely uh, delegating the tasks such that they don't even know or they're not across which contracts have been signed um, and what the terms are in the contract that they need to be aware of. There's a couple of reasons for this. Now, the first is that your staff have got competing interests to you because your staff want you to have work, your staff need you to have a certain number of jobs going at any given time, and so they are insulated in their employee status from the actual consequences of the T's and C's inside those contracts that you're signing. Whereas you, as the director, you're going to look a director's guarantee squarely in the eye and think, "Mm, do I really want to be putting my family home, my boat, my car, my kids' scholarship fund at risk uh, for the sake of this contract or am I willing to walk away? Now, in particular, if you've got sales reps that are out there kicking down doors to bring you in work and they're working on KPIs or LTIs or you know any kind of type of commission-based incentive, they're going to be mega, mega unhappy if you decide to start crossing out all this stuff in the contract and make it difficult for the builder to accept your changes. It could be that the builder ends up using someone else. So you see where I'm going with it, where the staff are not the ones holding the baby in terms of the risk for your construction contracts. You guys are, and so it is imperative that you as the business owner um, who essentially is ultimately responsible and should I say to any nominees or anyone who's vouching for a license or you know is the qualified individual who is responsible for the license for the business they should also be across what's in the contract and what you're signing up to in terms of liability. So first point to make is, yes, you can outsource or you can delegate, but don't entirely um, let someone else handle the process. What you need to have is a systematic approach where certain information is run by you and or you've got a checklist where the person you're outsourcing it to or delegating it to can compile the information from the contract into a concise little bite-sized Um, checklist for you to be able to review it and go yeah I need to actually go back and read that clause or I need to look at that deed or 
um, I need to flick through this a little, a little bit more thoroughly before we go ahead and sign it. But what you would essentially do in that process is you would have your staff member uh, give you the answers for the, the key questions, and the key factors in typical contracts that almost bring you unstuck on every job. Now, second thing is I'd love for you guys to stop being so intimidated by contracts because technical and trades type people you guys actually read far more complicated things than contracts on a day-to-day basis you guys read drawings i've seen electricians reading 400 page specifications with mathematical gobbledygook and mechanical contractors mathematical gobbledygook in those specifications that are well and truly outside of my capabilities in terms of understanding what the hell they're saying and when it comes to the building code you guys are actually required to go and check to make sure that certain buildability um, factors are compliant with the building code and guess what the building code is actually drafted and almost able to be interpreted in the same way as legislation so aka the big secret law book in the sky so if you can read the building code you can read legislation and I'm not saying that some legislation isn't really technical and difficult to understand, but when it comes to contracts, you guys have got the ability to do this yourself and it shouldn't be an overwhelming task. You just need to know how to pull the contract apart into the sections that you recognize. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the general conditions um, being the specification, talking about the schedule being the drawings themselves, going to have a finishes and fixtures and equipment schedule let's call that the special conditions and then all of your drawings are going to have a key so that you can actually understand what you're looking at on the drawings and that my friend is the definitions of your contract document so if you pull apart your contract the first minute you get it and you break it up into those sections so that you can understand what you are looking at and you're looking at everything on a level playing field so what you'll essentially have is you'll have your definitions right there next to you which is the key to working out what the general conditions mean general conditions is the specification your part a schedule is actually really your drawings and that is the the painting a picture in terms of the terms of the contract and it should be a list of all of the specific um, tick boxes and alternatives that the builder has decided apply when they are drafting the contract. Now your finishes, fixtures and equipment schedule aka the special conditions you're going to want to have those right beside the general conditions because usually the special conditions will erase or amend some general conditions so it's really important that when you are reading that you're looking at every single clause in light of everything that's been amended otherwise there's no point in reading it and then going back and going oh my goodness now I've got to read the special conditions and it's completely amending what the general conditions said so let me recap you've got your definitions you've got your general conditions you've got your special conditions and then you've got your part a schedule now the other documents should be annexes to your contract And they will be things like the scope of works, the drawing register, the safety documentation. There'll be a whole raft of deeds that 
the builder wants you to sign up to and they're all annexures to the contract. But when you're doing the first contract review uh, stage, I always recommend that you just have those four sections right there in front of you and you pull them apart and stapled them separately so that you can flick between them and have a full picture of what you're looking at when you're reading it. Now, if you don't do this and you read your contract like a book, what inevitably will happen is that you will skim over the definitions. And by the way, the definitions are one of the most secret places that lawyers hide things when they're trying to change a term of a contract or put in some kind of um, lasso or snare to trip you up. By the time you get to the general conditions, you're just going to be going, I'm so bored. If anything, you'll be falling asleep. You'll be looking for a distraction. You might be interested in the special conditions. People usually get excited about those because the word specials written on the top of the page. I'm not trying to be antagonistic there. It's, um, it's usually because of the name special conditions. People think, oh, well, this is the important stuff I need to read. But it's sometimes it's only just a, like 25% of the full picture. And then you're going to have your part A or your schedule, which essentially sets out the terms and the alternatives for each of the general conditions or what the option is under the contract that the parties agree to. Now, a lot of people flick to the part A schedule and fixate on things like uh, liquidated damages rates and the contract sum and all of those sorts of things. And by all means, that stuff is important. But what's just as important is your definition of practical completion how long your defects liability period is, things like a qualifying cause of delay. So what do we actually get an extension of time for? And recently when I've explained this to tradies and they've realized that hmm, I could actually approach this stuff in a common sense way and it's not really that overwhelming if I just have a crack at it, they've actually realized that they can understand contracts and that they don't need to be intimidated or worried about having a good bloke conversation with their builder about some of the terms. So by all means it is absolutely possible for you, a tradesperson um, or a business owner of a trade business, to read a contract like you read drawings and be as confident with reading a contract as you are with reading drawings. Now, if you take yourself back to the first time that you started reading drawings, you would have felt uncomfortable. You would have second-guessed yourself. You would have asked someone for some assistance. Um, likely, you will have overlooked some things in the early days that you'll never forget now. And the process is exactly the same when you're learning how to read contracts. Nobody was born able to do this stuff, but it is a necessary function of your business to be able to understand what the terms of the deals are that you're cutting. If you're just completely uninterested in this stuff and you wish that you could just be on site on the tools, let me respectfully suggest that you contemplate doing exactly that and becoming somebody's employee because the terms and conditions that are in these contracts that you're signing are so serious and have such heavy consequences for you if it were to go bad, that it might be better off if you're in a position where you take a wage and take on less risk. Now, them's fighting words. I know when people say to me, you know, maybe you should just go and get a day job when I complain about working a squillion hours for bugger all money and running my own business, I get bloody offended. And you know what? If you're offended, that's great. 
that's actually a really good thing. If, if when I say to you, you know what, if you don't want to read your own con- contracts and take responsibility for the amount of risk you're taking on, go and get a day job and be an employee because at least you won't be made bankrupt personally when somebody sues your pants off then at least I know that you've got that gut instinct or that secret ingredient in your DNA to be a business owner and to pull your socks up and do things the right way. So there are ways that you can circumvent the type of risk in your business um, that will take your personal home, your car, your boat, your daughter's scholarship fund. And the way to do it is to have a proper business structure set up. And if you have an accountant who hasn't had this conversation with you, let me suggest that you shop around a little bit and see what's on offer because there are accounting firms out there who will assist you with a really good business structure to help you quarantine uh, your money away from the really serious risk that you will be taking on as a business owner. And can I just say that you you can never 100% avoid the risk if you are a building contractor. So good solicitors will tell you that they would never be a builder. I, as a solicitor, can give you legal advice and take on less risk than you do to build my house if I ask you to build a house. It's just stacked that way. So you need to have the belts and braces in place to protect your personal money and assets from the type of risk that you're going to be taking on because the risk is always going to be there. It's just about how we mitigate it. So the first layer of risk mitigation is the proper business structure. The second layer is insurances. So making sure that you invest in really good insurance policies. So it's not just public liability um, and workers' compensation insurance. It's always going to be contract works insurance as well. That is absolute oxygen in your business. And then you also, if you can afford it, you should have a trade credit insurance policy. Now, the third layer of risk is not signing up to the risk in the first place. And the only way you can do that is if you read your contracts. And once you read your contracts, you really want to be looking at that hierarchy of contract risk control and triaging which clauses in the contract are just not acceptable and not negotiable because of the decisions you've made prior to cutting that deal about how much risk you want to take in your business and then having a look at what you can water down or dilute um, or what you can administer around. Now I would really heavily caution you against just leaving risky provisions in a contract down to your ability to perform. If COVID has taught us nothing at all, it has taught us that we can't 100% promise somebody that we will be able to get building materials and or labour and or even access site Uh, because lockdowns we never thought the lockdowns would happen in the construction sector and they have and I dare say it will be something that will be ongoing because it seems to have a few political undertones attached to it so making sure that you've got uh, your clauses covered off on the ability to have extensions of time, mitigating against delay costs is imperative when it comes to your construction contracts. And then the fourth layer of protection for risking your business is actually administering the contracts once you've signed them. So it's one thing for you to do a contract review, it's an entirely other thing for you to administer your contract. What you essentially do is you set the rules of the game down when you do your contract review and you agree to terms with your builder um, 
and then you have to play by the rules but the only way to stop yourself from getting stitched up with liquidated damages and delay costs and or back charges any number of things um, not being paid for variations or being short paid is to administer your contract so I'm sorry my friend but it is a necessary evil of your business that you learn how to read these contracts and if I can give you one uh, little positive side effect to being able to do this stuff is that next time you buy a car, next time you get a home loan, next time you go and enter into any kind of commercial transaction, you will have street smarts. So this stuff is a cumulative knock-on effect. And I suppose they call it runs on the board or experience um, where you over the years of being in business and dealing in commercial transactions you will become more confident with it and you will understand how it works and you will learn how to get things done in a very um, commercially advantageous way without missing opportunities so people do it every single day enter into business and commercial transactions and a lot of them come off unscathed some of them who are really just winging it or having a crack are coming unstuck and it's because they're not prepared or they don't have a guide or they're not using a systematic approach with the checks and balances or because they don't have the power team that they need to have in their back pocket to help them through this sort of stuff. That brings me to an end of today's episode of the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. If you've got any questions about anything I've talked about on today's episode, please uh, feel free to drop me an email, questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au or follow us on social media, give me a like and a share. I would dearly love it if any of you listening to this could get onto your um, podcast platform and give me a review because clearly you must like it if you keep coming back. I'm hoping that you really like it. Either that or you're sitting there terrified listening to all these scary things that could possibly happen to you in business. I hope it's not the last one that I mentioned. Um, But I would dearly love to hear from you and thank you again for listening. Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up? Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the tricks of your trade!